Hey, what's up? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Adelic. I am, of course, Mike Brancatelli. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining. Thanks for checking us out. To those of you who are new, we've got a lot of episodes. So I don't know. People always ask me, what's your favorite episode? What's your best episode? I'm like, I don't know. Whatever you think. Scroll through the titles and decide on whatever you think is uh, uh, appealing to you. Um, you know, I've done a lot. I think earlier in, in my podcasting career, there's uh, some really shitty ones that I don't like and some ones that I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have put that out. Uh, well, even recently, sometimes I put out some podcasts where I'm like, ugh, I don't know about that one. Sometimes I do intros that are way too long and uh, sorry about that. Uh, but uh, we're going to try and keep them more brief and I'm going to try and save more of like the intro ranting and rambling for more solo cast because then I can just have the freedom. You guys know what's going on. It's not in front of a guest who you're like, oh, I want to hear this guest, but this guy keeps talking about shit. So blah, 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 blah. But anyway, I don't know. It's all about, it's all a journey. It's all a learning process, figuring it out. But whatever you're, whoever you are and whatever you're doing, I'm glad that you're here and that you're with us because we got a great episode today with my dear friend, Publio Valet. Publio is a meditation teacher, yoga teacher. He works as a workshop facilitator at the Temple of the Way of Light, working with ayahuasca and integration, offering integration work. And he has private sessions that he does online and in person. He does retreats. He works with groups. He's a wonderful, wonderful being, wonderful human being. And um, yeah, he's like, again, I think I said this on the last podcast, just like one of those people when you're in their presence, there's a certain kind of like energy field or something going on that, that he just has such a calm, grounded, content energy and brings joy to every situation. I remember being down at the temple and it would just be so fun to have lunch and breakfast and dinner uh, when Publio was there and everyone would be talking and laughing and it's just like sometimes there's a there's just like one person can make a difference in like a situation it's just make things a little lighter or make things a little looser and uh, he's definitely one of those people and then taking his classes were the same his classes were so unique because he he's traveled all around the world and he's done so much work and so many studies of of wide ranges of diverse areas and he's done so much inner work too that he's able to offer these really, really, really cool workshops and these really interesting and unique classes that I, I was thrilled to be a part of, and they were so good. And then his pre-ceremony uh, yoga was great, too. It was just so great to settle into that space before drinking ayahuasca in, uh, in the Maloka, to get into that space and to listen to Publio's voice and listen to his instructions and and the way that he goes about his teaching to get us prepared for that journey. And then, of course, he's good at, uh, you know, integrating that afterwards as well, because those experiences are so big. Sometimes we're like, well, we don't know what to do with them. Uh, but he's, he's a wonderful person and one of my, you know, just one of my favorite people. I, I really uh, just like could talk to him forever, just hang out with him forever. So uh, really, really great uh, conversation that we had here. And, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not so deep into, I don't do yoga. Um, I do meditate and I do try and work on, uh, you know, I do work with plant medicines and integrate. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm not as, um, I'm not as well versed in the kind of uh, ancient teachings and the 
the dharmas and the wisdom and the Bhagavad Gita's and these sorts of things and and all all the stuff that that Publio has put together as this really diverse, comprehensive package of knowledge and wisdom, as well as the 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 knowledge and wisdom that has come with the you know sitting with himself and doing the inner work. So it's a pretty pretty powerful combination when you put all the things that he offers together with just who he is as a human being. You know, I think sometimes we have a uh, tendency to look at people as like credentials and their accomplishments and their success and all this stuff. But sometimes just being around a particular kind of human being is like healing enough. You know, I, I, I don't know, you know, would he have been the human being that he is if he hadn't have done the work that he has? Who knows? But he is. And that's what he offers is just a, a joy, a joy to be around and a joy to partake in the teachings that he offers. So yeah, I I come at this from a perspective of like sort of like a noob, like an outsider a little bit of just kind of curious and not really knowing all the jargon and the, te- the technical terms. So we didn't like dive really deep into a lot of stuff, but we kind of have a really uh, expansive conversation about uh, all the, all the things about reality and about being a human being and compassion and contentment and and uh, what what yoga practices and meditation practices can do and what ayahuasca and integration can do and therapy. And uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. So for me, I've been meditating since, mm, I don't know, maybe like 2017 is really when I started to actually meditate. And I had a pretty good run and then I kind of fell off a little bit. Um, And I thought, well, maybe I don't necessarily need to sit in silence. Maybe I can just kind of like bring present awareness to every moment of life like maybe i can just like bring a present mindfulness if you will to every situation and just be open and observant and i don't need to actually sit in silence and i think that is true but i think sitting in silence helps a lot and so i've been pretty consistent in the past uh, month or so meditating every morning uh saying a little prayer setting an intention doing a meditation usually for about 20 30 minutes and then doing some breath work afterwards as well, just kind of really, really deeply breathing. I think it's, I mean, it's just so important uh, to do. And, uh, and then getting on with my day. I think it sets a good foundation for the day. So we're going to talk about all this stuff, like all the benefits of meditation and yoga and, and um, you know, what it means to be a human being now and this time and how to maybe decrease our suffering a little bit or at least keep walking the path that we're on with contentment and joy and uh, being fully present and aware and really holding it all. You know, there's this Cho Young Trumpa quote that I like a lot that I've been saying recently, and he says that, uh, you know, hold the pain of samsara in your heart while keeping your gaze on the eastern, the great eastern sun. Only then the warrior can make a proper cup of tea. And I, I love that so much because it's like, yeah, like hold that the if you are fully aware and you're fully present and you're fully alive, you understand the entire you know the entirety of of what life encompasses, which is not all joy and all peace it's it's everything, but if you hold that and you're able to walk that sort of middle path, so to speak, while keeping focus on the sun that's always rising in the east, it's always coming up, it's always fresh, it's always new it's it's rising, it's birthing. And you keep your focus on that and you keep moving consistently over time in that direction, then 
he'll make some some good cups of tea. <laughs> well, that's my interpretation of it. All right, little bees nest uh, to get out of the way. Um, Hemp Bombs is a sponsor of this show, and I've not been doing a good job of promoting them. Sorry, Hemp Bombs. I don't know. I forget sometimes. I'm lazy. What can I say? Uh, but uh, they have tons of CBD products. I mean, they offer CBD tinctures and um, CBD gummies and CBD dog stuff that you can give to your dog so they can relax, pain freeze, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, they got CBD. If you're interested in CBD, um, go check them out. Hemp bombs. They're everywhere. They ship everywhere in the United States and you get a 15% discount. Uh, if you use the code Mike 15 at checkout, that's Mike 15 hempbombs.com, all kinds of good stuff. I used to take the gummies. I'd take them a couple gummies, uh, before I went to bed and then I'd wake up in the morning kind of feeling like I was in a little bit of a better mood, had a little bit more energy, not such a hazy, foggy, cloudy feeling, um, maybe that you get from smoking some weed and going to bed. Uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of CBD. Is this the best CBD? I don't know. I mean, there's so many CBDs out there. So if you go to hempbombs.com and you like what you see and it seems like a good price and you feel like you want to get a discount, check it out. Give it a try. Give it a whirl. Who knows? You know, I think everybody's different. Everyone's physiology is different. So people are going to respond differently to different things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the best job I could do promoting a sponsor on this show. I'd rather not have sponsors. I'd rather just have people uh, who are passionate and love the show and they want to donate to it. And then I can offer more rewards and do more things. So if you want to do that, go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank, B-R-A-N-C. And you can donate on Patreon, become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, $100 a month, whatever you do. Every little bit helps. Uh, big shout out to Hell and to all the people that are contributing. He's my top contributor. So I have his name at the top of my mind first. I couldn't do this without you, buddy. I really appreciate your support, uh, your generous, kind support over uh, more than a year of being a, a patron for $50 patron. So, I mean, that is just mind blowing. I can't, you know, I always say on the show, dollar, two dollars, three dollars. And when people come through with more, I'm like blown away. But, uh, but yeah, uh, that's, that's one way you can show support. And another way is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five star rating, review. Uh, whatever you want. You don't have to leave a review. You could just leave a rating. Just click five stars if you like the show. And if you do like the show, you know what to do when you like things. You don't need me to tell you what to do. Just tell people about it, share it, whatever. Get, hit me up. Uh, go to my website, mikebrank.com. Send me an email. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of, maybe guest suggestions, thoughts, ideas. Share your story with me. I'm, I'm interested. I try and respond as quickly as I can to everybody. Also hit me up on Instagram, mikeadelic underscore podcast. I'll respond to DMs from anyone. So uh, send me a message. I'd like to know what you're thinking out there. And, uh, and if you want to uh, share some stuff with me, I'd love to, to hear about it. So thanks. And uh, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into this conversation with my dear friend, Publio. Psychedelics are illegal, not because... A loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. 
fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Well, yeah. So, I mean, we we met at the Temple of the Way of Light in Peru, and uh, yeah, you were just so wonderful to be around, and your classes were great, and everybody loved your classes. I remember being there and just being like, "Oh, Publio is teaching a class," and like nobody was in the dining hall. Everybody was at your class, and uh, so yeah, you you teach yoga, meditation, and uh, you work with uh, plant medicines as well. You work with ayahuasca and uh, anything else that I'm missing. Well, Mike, that's correct, but I would say that essentially my work is the work of being a human. <laughs> I yeah. focus on that. That is great. I love that. Yeah, being a human, right? Because that's what we all are. Uh, but sometimes it seems like that uh, we're trying to be something else and or other outside influences want us to be something else. Or maybe we think that if we were that way, then we can get something or do be something better or whatever. But really when it comes down to it, uh, if we escape the kind of noise of the world and just sit with ourselves, we realize, well, we're just, we're just human beings and we're just living here in this reality. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about that. What does that look like for you being a human? Wonderful, Mike. Thank you for your question. Um, I perceive that, as you said, there's a lot of, of separation, of fragmentation nowadays, especially. Uh, I, I talk a lot about it in my classes. It, it seems that we are always creating this condition uh, to start living, you know, to, to, to begin to open ourselves to what is really happening. We are always in this long, infinite narrative of uh, things we need to do, something that I need to acquire, or, or something that I, I need to figure out before I start living my life, before I open myself to this reality. And uh, for me, this is a, a very important, interesting question. You know? Why? Can't I just be present and and start enjoying the potential paradise that is this this reality right here right now? Um, so um, yoga and meditation have always helped me a lot to connect with the the, the this basic fundamental questions around reality. Um, it seems from what I perceive, that we live in a time <clears throat> in which we have a lot, of, a lot of possibilities to achieve things. You know, we can do all these kinds of courses. We can get all the information of the universe very quickly. And uh, we, we can have all these projects and plans. And, uh, and if, we, if we keep there steady, concentrated, 
we can reach these plans. Now, if we have a little bit of diligence, a little bit of um, uh, of discipline, we we can get most of the things that that we are looking for or that we think that that we are looking for. Now, actually, I think it was William James, the the, the psychologist, who said that. Anything you may hold firmly in your imagination can be yours. Uh, that, mm-hmm. That's what William James said. Uh, anything that you keep there firmly uh, in your imagination can be yours. And there's been a, a boom in this, in this kind of approach to reality with, with, with all those, uh, the secret, with all this um, quantum physics things and the law of attraction and, and so forth and so on. But I would say that the real question is, what, what am I looking for? What really will bring that sense of peace and stability to my mind? What will bring that sense of contentment to myself? Uh, okay, I have the sensation that I can get, maybe achieve anything. But what will bring me an essential sense of bliss? Hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah what because <clears throat> i know that um in your path i watched the video that you post on the facebook and your new website is beautiful and and uh you you had a, a really lovely a lot of lovely things that you said in there and one of them was like that you were you thought there was something more to reality so what was it for you that kind of started you on this path that you felt like hey there's maybe there's something more um and then started to go down the the path of seeking, which I think a lot we have to seek to find something, and then maybe that thing that we find feels like it resonates with us. We feel aligned with it, and then we can kind of be with that, and then start work, working on that or walking that path. Uh, so, what was it for you, Publio? Um, let's see. Uh, I, I think from home, no, at home. Um, my upbringing, my my father, to be more precise. Uh, my father, he's a kind of a healer here in Brazil. Uh, he he's a he's a he's a shaman. Uh, so I've always heard, I've always seen him getting into some kind of trances, and he's very respected here in the community, in my in my hometown. And uh, he heals people. He he offers counseling sessions, and uh, and and in a very practical way, you know. And all all that he does, he does it for free. He just he's very aligned with service. And I've always seen how people would really get better in his presence with his genuine attitude of of compassion of of helping others. And he comes from a tradition in Brazil that is known as Spiritism. It's a, it's a very syncretic tradition. It means it has elements of, of African traditions, of native traditions, of, of, of science. And it's, it's a very interesting uh, system. No. And uh, I... This was always normal for me from childhood. Not to see my father in a trance whenever I was sick, I would go there to his center and to receive his um, his uh, his techniques and the things that he does to heal people. And uh, 
And I remember that I started to to lose touch with it when when I went to university, when I started to grow up, you know, growing up, being uh, being in Brasilia, that is where I studied. I started to feel that there was a disconnection there, uh, because of myself, my my questions, my um, my attempts to to discover this reality independently of of family and everything, and uh, it was in this time, Mike, that I had a big crisis, <laughs> a big crisis. It was in the third semester of university when I really felt that there was something missing, <laughs> that there was something that was not aligned, there was something that. I was not healthy about myself and the way I was I was living this reality, you know. And that that was what took me to to Peru, you know, for my first ayahuasca ceremony. And uh, that ceremony, I had two ceremonies in a row in 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 Pucallpa. And in that ceremony, I could perceive the importance of not trusting so much my mind. And even the the cultural structure that we live in, um, mm-hmm. to, to 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 perceive reality, you know, my mind is not so as reliable as I would like it to be. You know, all this noise and all these things, the culture you know, that we we receive nowadays is so disconnected from nature and from from the basic aspects of life. And uh, at least for a few moments you know, during those ceremonies, I could perceive that clearly. You know, I could perceive that clearly that although it was simple, although it was it wasn't something wow, mysterious and huge. It, it, that that impression that that there was a way to feel stable, that there was a way to feel my heart open and 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 present and and joyful. No, that, that 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 was possible. That stayed with me, and I think that was one of the first steps on this journey. Mm, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, and it reminds me of when you were talking about how your father is a shaman and a healer, and but you had kind of departed a little bit because you're off into the world to discover who you are, and you know, there's it's this you're coming of age in this bright shiny <laughs> world with all these gadgets and gizmos and the, the internet. You know, it's like it it can be it can be so seduc- seductive, you know. To, and and I remember hearing about. I remember in Peru at the temple talking about uh, young healers and how not a lot of uh, the youth are deciding to take up practices of their um, lineage and their tradition in the Shipibo uh, community, but some some are, and it's like, wow, that's great. But a lot of them are looking at the sort of Western influence that is coming around um, the sort of... Uh, you know, the iPhones and the social media and the pop culture and all that kind of stuff. Cause it's, it's appealing, right? Like we're in a way human beings, and you can even look at this on a macro civilizational level. We look at things and we go, Oh wow, look at this. Look at these skyscrapers that we could build. Look at this technology that we could go to space and all this stuff that we can do. But we forget about the thing maybe that's right in front of us. And, and, and especially from, uh, family connection too, and and lineage and tradition, uh, healing modalities, so that 
you know, yeah, it just, it just kind of reminded me of that. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's interesting. And then you were able to kind of find your way back to that, that, that was a, a life-changing uh, event for you, that ayahuasca ceremony in Pacalpa. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That was the turning point. And uh, yeah. it's interesting what you just said, no, because, uh, modern culture is so attractive, right? It's, it's that, sugar high addictive no pleasant immediate thing um it's beautiful it's bright it's it's yeah there's something delicious about about modernity right Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's inevitable to perceive that there's something missing right um i've been to california for the first time recently uh, been to the U.S. for the first time recently, and uh, I, I I know I've been only to to the bubbles, not to the to the main places there. Um, but it's everything is so seductive. Now, I remember getting to these huge supermarkets with everything organic and everything is available, and everything seems to work, and everything seems beautiful and abundant and. And this, this is, of course, a great aspect of, of the contentment of human beings. You know, it's, it's very much necessary, but it's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. It's not the only thing. It, it makes me think of Maslow's uh, pyramid of, of human necessities. You know, this right. is in the base. Okay, we need it, but that's not the end. We need to have a sense of... Um, our basic needs of, of, of food and shelter covered, of course, we need to feel uh, secure and safe. But then, but then it escalates. You know? we, we need to feel a, a sense of purpose. We need to feel a sense of connection. Uh, it's, it, these are necessities for a, for a healthy uh, human being. You know? it's, it, it, it is a... It is a uh, is a whole structure uh, of needs. You know? This aspect that is so much uh, highlighted and and stimulated by 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 modern society is is obviously important. You know? It's obviously delicious, and there's nothing intrinsically wrong about it. But it's not the whole story, and we mm-hmm. are perceiving it more and more. And uh, the thing about uh, the natives. You know, the, the natives and the shamans and these children, not only natives, not, not, not only not, not only in, 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 in indigenous cultures, you know, but people in, 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 in traditional villages all over the world. This is the, this is the crisis because they don't have the basic needs you know, to be able to maintain their culture. So, of course, they will be attracted to what seems to be abundant. Right. Yeah, of course they will jump into that. I remember when I was in Cusco, I felt so happy in a moment. When I remember I was in a in a nice vegan restaurant in Cusco, a beautiful place that I love. Oh, I think I I think I went there. It's up on the hill. Yes, exactly. It's in San Blas. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. 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 That place was great. Yes, it's it's called Greenpoint. I think. Right. Yeah. And and it's um for me that's a magical place. Always when I go there, something magical happens. <laughs> and uh, 
I remember I was sitting alone and when I, I used to go there alone, I just observing people around because they're all so interesting, uh, people that are attracted to that place. And uh, I remember seeing this, um, this native Quechua, you know, the, the, the people from the mountains in Peru, they're Quechuas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this man, very very beautiful with his long hair, very empowered, and uh, very much in his culture, you no, know? very much into his culture, and I could see and perceive clearly that this aspect of of money of of finances was very much um, uh, resolved in his life. But at the same time, he didn't, he didn't give up or he wasn't feeling ashamed of his culture. And that mm-hmm. was beautiful. A native, a Quechua, financially empowered and also culturally empowered. You know, this is a possibility that I see for, for our time. Yeah, that's great. It's like, yeah, the merging of stories, you know, it's like we have that you mentioned how that it's, it's an incomplete story and the it's um maybe, you know, collectively we're on a journey back to wholeness. And, you know, over the years, we've seen an increase in yoga studios and meditation retreats and ayahuasca tourism, um, you know, and some of it is really sincere and, you know, some of it is really rooted in the core elements uh and tradition and uh you know for example when i first went down to the temple as a guest you know i went down there because i really need i wanted healing you know and i and i experienced a lot of people the temple does a really good job of making sure the the people that are coming are the people that are looking for um you know that kind of healing and not you know to drink ayahuasca and go zip lining or play <laughs> dodgeball and you know like whatever you know just something to experience but we do see that now we do see, and you mentioned that you were in LA, you were in California, um, and that you know that kind of place is you know it's the center of Hollywood, superficiality, and um, you know very surface level on a lot of things and a lot of judgments and appearances and things, and so you know with all this kind the movement to getting back to being with ourselves and uh, wholeness there comes, you know, core power yoga and, you know, different kinds of, uh, you know, quick hacking mindfulness techniques and technology to help us meditate better, put something on your head and whatever it is. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I don't know, is this good? You know, because I see like also ayahuasca retreats that are like kind of more touristy, like, hey, come try ayahuasca, check it out, you know, and maybe it's not run by uh, people that have carried the tradition for a long time and really know what they're doing. So yeah, is this is do you see this as I mean, I don't even know if I want to frame it as good or bad, you know, but it is it's a thing that's happening. And I think you, you know, you, you embody something different. You offer something different. And that's what I like. That's what I'm attracted to is the getting, really getting to the root core of things and not this kind of quick, uh, westernized, commercialized, uh, you know, spirituality. So I don't know if there's a question there, but just kind of a comment and how you kind of perceive that. And I know you mentioned something in your, in your video too. And I thought that was so beautiful because it's like, yes, yes. I think this is what we need is really getting to that that real place. All right, wonderful. And and I think uh Mike from what yeah. you're hearing much beyond 
as you, as you as you express now much beyond going to see if this is a good thing or if this is a bad thing i would say that the most important thing to notice here is that uh, this is the consequence of a of a need uh, it's the consequence mm. of an authentic need that people have of reconnecting no, it's it's an authentic consequence of of this this um, immense feeling of disconnection that people have been experiencing nowadays. So that's why there are so many you know, yogas and so many mindfulnesses and so many uh, ayahuasca's and so many uh, promises for people to reconnect. And of course, there is a risk in there. Yeah. Uh, there is an interesting book that my sister pointed to me recently that is the Mac Mindfulness. I don't know if you heard about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, like, uh, like uh, yeah, Mick Mindfulness, like a McDonald's or like fast food, happy meal mindfulness kind of thing, right? Yes, exactly. And, and what is this book and so many other people are perceiving is that essentially you know, these, these practices uh, coming from 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 you know, Buddhism, for instance, you know, the Buddha was very well recognized as a rebel. You know, the Buddha was was an, was a rebel for excellence. You know, he was he was in a very elegant way trying to help people to to change themselves in order to change their reality around them. And uh, I see if there is not. Uh, an essential, if, if we don't address the context in which we're living and question mm. that in a healthy way, uh, there is a risk for us just to be um, stimulating, encouraging the, the, the current situation instead of questioning that, trying to, to, to change the context also. Uh, let's see if I can explain it better. No, the some, some mindfulness teachers and approaches and coaches nowadays, what they do, they're just finding ways to help people to adapt more <laughs> to the craziness, if you allow me to. Right, that, right. Yes. Or, or no, how to be more efficient, how to be more productive, how can I, um, I don't know, finally get everything that I want to, to get. And... Uh, <laughs> Going beyond rights and wrongs uh, here, no? okay, we can keep trying. We can keep trying. But that essentially is a lie. No? It's a lie. I, I like very much how in Sanskrit culture, uh, they say, you know, in Sanskrit culture, in this ancient wisdom of, of India, they never talk about concepts of good and evil. No? Mm. They always talk about concepts of what is true, what is what is true, and what is false, what is a lie, <laughs> what is not pointing to 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 reality, no? And uh, to stimulate and to to use these um, these techniques, these ancient techniques that are supposed to change, to actually create a revolution in the way we perceive and live in this reality, to use these techniques just to enhance our capacity to adapt to a crazy reality, I don't think it's healthy and I don't think it's helping. You know, as Krishnamurti 
Krishnamurti says, né, he said in, in a very beautiful way, Jiddu uh, Krishnamurti, he said, there is nothing healthy about adapting to a deeply uh, sick society. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, this is a big, this is a big concern of mine. And this is something that I think about a lot because it seems that we're we keep trying to find new ways to innovate the infrastructure within the context of the game you know the the kind of dominant uh game that is uh installed in this reality and when i say dominant game i mean you know kind of the the major forces of power in the world that kind of influence and shape what is acceptable and allowable uh to to be to to just be a human being right it's like we can't really just be a human being we have to make money we have to go to work we have to get in a car we have to drive we have to get oil we have to do you know it's all these things because that's what's kind of been created for us but that that doesn't seem to be working anymore and i think a lot of people are recognizing that it's not really working and so we're kind of in this transition or as uh this author, Charles Eisenstein, says the space between stories. Like we're trying to come up with a new story that makes the old one obsolete. So we're kind of find, trying to find a way. Because you're right. It's like we're not we're not we're not trying to uh, do meditation and mindfulness so that we can be better at um, you know punching numbers and you know sitting at an uh, at a desk for eight hours a day and you know innovating our technology so we don't have to leave we could just have a a drone come deliver us a hot dog at our desk and we don't have to get up it's like wow the future it's so efficient look at this impressive technology and all these innovations but it's still within that container so i i think you know and what you're kind of alluding to is like how do we kind of integrate or maybe you know in, invite a new way of being in where we can, as you said in the beginning, just be, just be humans, you know, just, just live in life and, and be with life. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about this the other day. Sometimes I think, and I, I come up with like little things. I'm like, Ooh, that's maybe a good saying or a phrase. And I was thinking about myself. Cause I'm, I was thinking like, man, I, I want to, I want the podcast to 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 be better and I want things to happen in my life and I want this and I want that and I was like wait a second wait a second I'm wanting all of these things and then I thought about I thought about it like um you know I was like okay life is not about getting what you want it's about becoming what you are wonderful <laughs> it's yeah. it's yeah there's so many things here to to comment Mike thank <laughs> you um First of all, um, this this thing that you mentioned before uh, about people perceiving that something is not working, right? That there's something that there's something out of order <laughs> in, this, in this reality yeah. uh, right now in the way that we've been living. We don't need to. It's not rocket science to perceive that there's something very crazy happening now. I mean, in different times of history, there's always been crazy things happening, right? It's not an exception. But there's something yeah. especially big happening nowadays. I had this teacher of Indian psychology when I was living in Pondicherry in India, in the in Shirobindo <clears throat> ashram. And uh, he had a very interesting uh, perspective on this. Uh, his name was Matthias. Yeah, he was a, 
um, he was from from <clears throat> Netherlands, and uh, uh, people from from Shirobindo Ashram, no, they're very academic. They have a deep sense of of, of research and and uh, scientific ways of thinking, and I learned a lot with them. And one of the questions that this professor that he used to get was uh, so if if there is this thing of reincarnation uh, because in India they talk a lot about reincarnation and all this stuff so if there is this thing of reincarnation you know, so how come uh, we have so many people on earth right now like seven almost I don't know six almost seven billion people now so is it the first incarnation of of all these people how is it possible what what is what is really going on <laughs> and he used to say well the best explanation i could find for this is that there is something really interesting happening now in our time and everybody decided to come at the same time <laughs> to see what is happening <laughs> to see what will happen <laughs> to See what will happen, yeah. So, yeah, I feel I feel we're living in a in an extremely interesting time, right? There's all this pain, yeah, there's all these confusions, there's all these uh, feelings of the apocalypse and nature and so forth and so on. But in the end, it's still um, and 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 I know it's dangerous what I'm I'm going to say, depending on how people will will make an interpretation of it. But if you really go to that lens of non-dualism, not not thinking in polarities, um, even the most toxic thing, even the most terrible destruction, it's still nature. It's still part of of what is really happening. and, And there's nothing absolutely wrong with it. Uh, the Tibetans, they say, <clears throat> I think I think we talked about it before, Mike, but I'd like to remember this. The Tibetans, they say, you know, when we get when we start to get worried about how the situation of the world and the situation of the planet and how um, how people are destroying everything, <clears throat> the Tibetans, they say, hey, look, uh, we have the eternity to learn. It's not. It's not about mm-hmm. your little perspective on it. No, your, your little perspective of yeah. humans. No, there is a greater, hopefully, probably a greater intelligence guiding the show. <laughs> yeah, totally. And one of my favorite books of all time uh, is this book called "Finite and Infinite Games." And you know, in the book, it, the author is talking about how you know we have many finite games and if we look at ourselves our 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 physical kind of meat suit beings that we are it's sort of a finite uh, skin encapsulated ego you know and and but there, but but we live in infinity or eternity you know if we have it's we don't have to march to the beat of the finite drum you know and sometimes we do because it's just the nature of things but uh but yeah we're not we're <laughs> everything is going the way that it's going Right. And so and I wonder, you know, and with with more people kind of waking up and wanting to seek healing and, you know, as psychedelics become more kind of mainstreamed in the, in, in the consciousness and people are aware that these could be good healing modalities and be more people are practicing yoga and meditation. I'm wondering if it's like, well, 
there's a sort of there's a sort of balance or harmony that nature does provide like nature uh is that you know there's there's uh, there's no uh it doesn't seem that there's like trees or plants that are like aggressively uh wiping other trees and plants out or things like that like the way in which we do but for some reason that's sort of our burden of this the choices that we have so we have to kind of maybe steer the ship but maybe more people are waking up so we're steering the ship in a in a in a way that's going to be a little bit more harmonious um yeah i don't know i guess i i think i think i see things like that i'm not i'm not such a doom and gloom kind of person but i do recognize the kind of the the shit that we're swimming in and it's like okay well people are waking up and being like oh my god we're swimming in shit what is going on so let's do something about it um so that's nice that's that's really nice and I, yeah and with more people kind of starting to do all the things like we were discussing um what what is it about kind of moving in that direction that can be so so healing for people i mean i you know i could take a stab at it but i'd like to see from your perspective like like maybe we could start with with yoga for instance like what is what is it about yoga uh that that can really help people all right um mike so yoga is such a huge word right and uh, yeah. it's a very well-known word everybody everybody have ideas around it everybody yeah if you say yoga i would say basically to any person in the world nowadays they all have an idea about what it is but i would say that very few of them have a direct perception and a clear comprehension of what we are talking about really talking about when when we say yoga right yeah i think most people uh, might think like oh yoga so stretching and stuff okay <laughs> yes exactly yeah. you know, and and that's so far from from the reality you know that's that's very far from from what it it, it really is uh, from my studies and from what i could learn from different teachers you know yoga is basically learning how to bring the attention inwards, you know, to bring back the attention inwards to the origin of this reality that I perceive outside. Uh, this, I would say that this is one of the foundations of this practice, you know, because we are very much conditioned on perceiving and dealing with reality outside. Now, this is a human tendency. You know, we 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 explore the reality outside. We discover how the trees grow, how the animals work, how our organism works, how gravity works, and, and, and so forth and so on. Yoga offers us, it's not a philosophical system, essentially. No, Yoga offers us very practical tools to help me to, to, to look inside, to look back inside, and to perceive these uh, internal mechanism, these internal laws, uh, what really helps me in feeling good, in feeling content, in feeling peaceful. And uh, the interesting thing is that in the same way as there are external laws, the gravity, the, the, I don't know, all this, the, 
the, the light and all this that we study on physics and there are also laws of my inner consciousness you know? and interestingly enough when I really pay attention to it when I really give it some some energy you know, we start to perceive that these laws are pointing to compassion you know? they're pointing to forgiveness they're pointing to uh, patience and to love. This is this is so interesting. You know? I start to perceive what happens with me um, when I develop these these tools, these these yoga techniques or meditation techniques. That for me they are essentially the same. Um, I start to perceive what happens with my my inner uh, organs, with my my reality here. Uh, when I feel angry or when I feel jealous or when I feel inadequate or when I start to criticize myself or when I start to complain, immediately I see that there is a reaction that is hurting me. It hurts hurts my liver, it hurts my stomach, it hurts my brain, my lungs. So isn't it interesting to perceive that this law (laughs) is pointing me, is helping me gently to reconnect with with peace, with with um, with with love. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think you said something pretty interesting there too, which was that yoga and meditation are kind of the same thing for you. I wonder if you could kind of explain that, because like you said, most people, if you th- if you say, well, what's yoga? They say, oh, I don't know, you know, these stretches and stuff, or what's meditation? Oh, it's you know, sitting alone with your thoughts. Oh my God, you know. Um, but yeah, what's, what is like, uh, in your opinion, like, uh, or from your perspective, what's the, um, difference? I mean, I guess, and I want to talk about all the things that, that you teach and that you practice, because I think they all obviously connect and go together. Um, so yeah, what is it about that, uh, the meditation and yoga that are similar and also maybe a little bit different too? All right, let's, let's, this is such a huge Huge subject, no? Because then we need to come to to history to understand um, that this this uh, connections between yoga and meditation. But in a short, uh, most people will agree that one of the main foundations, one of the main scriptures of of yoga is uh, the Patanjali Yoga Sutras. It's it's uh, people people are not. Uh, in agreement you know, with with the exact date of this scripture. But there is a general agreement that it's around somewhere between, I think, 2,500 years ago. You know, this, this is a good, good date that, that a lot of people will agree. Some people will say it's, it's much older. Some people will say it's much uh, recent. But... Um, the Patanjali Yoga Sutras is considered like the origin, you know, the, the first attempt of a human being to put this into a, into a system that is comprehensive and that can be can, into a kind of a doctrine, you know, with doctrine being understood as a compilation, as, a, as, a, as something that can be understood and that can be taught. So 
if if you study, I've studied the Patanjali Yoga Sutras through so many teachers. I'm studying it again now with a with a Brazilian teacher. And if you if you get uh, this this scripture and and analyze it closely, you will see that um, it's so similar to what is present in Buddhism, for instance. It's so it's so similar to the perception of reality shared in 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 in, in, in the basis of meditation. The thought nowadays in mindfulness that also has its origins in Buddhism. For instance, you know, yoga through Patanjali will help you to investigate the nature of, of raga, raga and vesha. You know, that is basically the, 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 the aspects of cravings and aversion. Mm. And this is exactly what we, we practice mainly into the in, in this field of 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 meditation you know, mindfulness um, or buddhist buddhist meditation is all about learning how to go beyond our preferences of of you know, my cravings and of my aversions that basically is learning how to work with desire and desire in the sense of wanting this reality to be different from what it is no. That's why meditation, no, all this, even the modern teachers of meditation, they talk a lot about acceptance, a lot about acceptance. No, okay, how, what, are, what are the ways that I can learn to, that I can develop to accept this reality as it is? No, Tara Brach, one of the greatest uh, meditation teachers there in America, uh, she has this book that was is a great, amazing book that is called Radical Acceptance, mm. you know, letting go of resistance of, of what I'm I am experiencing right here and right now as a way to find joy you know, with this idea, this perception that joy is always available for me if if I'm able to see it, if I have the eyes to see it, and one. One central concept in yoga, for instance, is is the concept of ananda. This is a word that is usually translated to bliss. But if we if we go deeper in in the in the concept in the translation of ananda, ananda may mean um, something like um, um, the the capacity to perceive that things are exactly as they should mm. be. <laughs> yeah. To perceive, to remember that things are exactly as they should be. Now, this is a central aspect of, of yoga practice. And it's not something that is forced. There's no resignation here. But, there, but it is about a big expansion you know, when, I'm, when I'm not struggling when I'm not into this neurotic fight with reality to try to change it. <laughs> yeah, such a good you know? phrasing of that. Yeah, the neurotic fight. Well, that that leads me to to because I'm 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 going, well, yeah, that's all well and good, you know, and I, I hear that and I have moments of that. And I think more moments than than not, which is nice. And and I think being consistent in, in my practice helps. What some of the you know, one of the things that I wonder about is this this idea of like well yes where everything is as it is and this acceptance but what about 
what we want to make in the world and what we want to do, you know, the things that we want to give to, to the world and the things that we want to create. And doesn't that take some kind of like force or exertion of will onto things? Like how do we find that balance? And I guess a part of that, that question also is about like, for example, when I, I meditated this morning and I felt great um, and yesterday I did too. And then I noticed that throughout the day, I was like, I'm like, how do I carry this with me, you know, throughout the day? You know, how do I carry that, <laughs> that, that feeling and that space and that place, that energy with me throughout the day, which is filled with all kinds of external things, um, mm -hmm. accepting what is, but also moving towards this particular goals or, um, things that I want to accomplish and do, how do we kind of like balance to that and manage that okay wonderful wonderful question <laughs> mike changing the world no that's it's it sounds almost like a paradox right how can i accept it and yet um change it yeah, that's 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 that sounds like a right. paradox i i like to remember the Zen master uh, Shunkyu Suzuki, when he says, look, <laughs> you are perfect just the way you are, and there is still room for improvement. <laughs> 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 and so this is the first, this is the first thing. Now, Jack Cornfield, he always mentions this, this, this quote from Suzuki, and I like it very much. And, uh, yeah, uh, I love Jack Cornfield uh, and his book. That kind of my question maybe it ties into his book. Uh, After the ecstasy, now the laundry, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And this this is another point in which I was going to bring now the, the change in the world. Um, I feel from 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 my perspective. Of course, it's always from from my perspective, you know, from what I see, from what I've experienced. Um, it's it's very important if I really want to to bring a change to this reality, it's important to understand deeply what is the problem? What is that that is that I perceive as being wrong with this reality? How can I start? Meditation usually is something that makes us very humble. It makes us very humble. Why? It's not by chance. Just because we start to perceive that very things that seem to be very simple, such as can I keep my attention continuously on my breath for 20 seconds, mm. continuously, uh, we, we start to perceive that even though I decide that I, I, I create a will to do that, I start to perceive how difficult it is and uh, how much my mind is crazy and agitated and jumping from one side to another. So, what I'm trying to say here is that uh, we still don't seem to, to, to see clearly what is the problem. So, how can I start to suggest changes and to actively try to change the world in this way or in that other way if I still don't perceive deeply inside myself what is happening? Does that make mm. sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I, it, it's making me think of like, in rather than sort of 
trying and moving towards something by exerting your force or will on it to just embodying that space during a meditation practice that or a yoga practice that it's sort of like this unfolding or this sort of like seed that this flower is like growing from it it knows where it's it knows where the sun is it's ready for the rain it's ready to accept it's 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 ready and waiting to unfold and emerge and do what it does and maybe when you're able to get to that place then things kind of move in more of a flow for you is that how's that sound <laughs> exactly because when when we really i would say when there is a, a kind of an inner silence and i hope that doesn't sound so abstract uh it, it's very easy to perceive what is what is aligned and what is not aligned you know it's very easy to perceive what is that that supports me to feel good and what what is that that doesn't support me to feel good? Then there is no active fight, active fight against something. Then you're not um, struggling. There's no struggle. Then it, it flourishes, as you said. It, 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 um, it changes. It, it happens in a very natural way. Yeah? And I feel that a lot of people are perceiving it more and more clearly now. I, I read recently... Uh, a scientist saying you know, that he had this, um, he used to think that the, the, the top environmental problems were biodiv biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse, and climate change. And he thought that with 30 years of good science, we could address those problems. <clears throat> and then he said, uh, but I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed, apathy. <laughs> and to deal with those, we need a spiritual and cultural transformation. And the scientists don't know how to do that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, wow, that's, that's on point for sure, yeah. You understand what I mean? So, of course, oh, yeah, definitely. we start to see the, the, the problems. We perceive the problems outside in this way or in that way. But if there is not that essential connection and alignment and integrity within myself, I will easily get lost into the mechanism and start to recreate the same things again and again. That's my perspective, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, th these, these things are, all these practices are great. And what you offer is super, super important, helpful meditation and yoga therapy, plant medicine integration. Do you think that, um, yeah, I kind of want to talk maybe a little bit about like spiritual bypassing and spiritual materialism and how maybe these kinds of, these are some traps, I think, along the way. And I think that, you know, I, I actually fell into this at one point with psychedelics. I was I was getting so into taking mushrooms, like large doses of mushrooms, that I was going to find something or I was going to get somewhere. And, you know, I got actually got a message saying like, hey, man, you know, slow down, like, you know, uh, but but this is a thing that occurs. And one of my favorite books of all time is Cho Young Trumpa's book, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism. Uh, how? Yeah, how, what what are some things that maybe that you've noticed uh, in your practice and and you know teachings 
uh, and that we can be aware of and on the lookout for. Maybe if we're, you know, I gotta get, I gotta get home. I gotta meditate every day for two hours, two hours every single day. I have to force myself to do it. You know, these kinds of things. Uh, in in your in your experience, what has come up, and and what do you see, and how do we avoid getting into these these traps? Beautiful, Mike. Um, I would say that I experienced all of that in first person, as you as you imagine. Um, I <clears throat> there was a time in my life in which I was meditating around six seven hours a day. Wow! And, <laughs> yeah, that was all. I would work a little. I would I would do some things here and there, and then every time, every little spare time I would have. I would simply sit and meditate, and that was great. It wasn't something forced. It wasn't something artificial. I feel that I really benefited a lot <clears throat> out of that, out of those experiences, out of, out of those practices. Right. It came and, from a. It came from a true place. You weren't. Uh, you weren't taking selfies while you were meditating and posting and saying, "Hey, I'm meditating six hours more than you guys. Uh, I'm way better than you and more spiritually awakened than you guys." <laughs> At that time, I didn't even know what was uh, social media. I barely had a mobile. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, um, but then, Mike, after many years of this of these practices, I remember I went to. My case is that I went to Burma. I went to to a big monastery, meditation monastery there called Baok. And I really wanted to investigate deep, deep within myself whether whether I was ready to to become a monk, you know, to to dedicate my life um, to this path of of meditation in a more formal way. And um, and the answer that I got very clearly from all those days in silence of long meditations was that I wanted to leave this reality. I want to live in this reality with all its um, flaws that I was perceiving, with all these fears that this reality was creating to me, with all these contradictions and challenges. And that was a long path for me <laughs> to come back to this reality, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, that's another uh, seductive element of reality too. As we were talking about before, the seductive superficial and then the seductive spiritual a little bit, right? Exactly, because uh, it can easily become um, escape, mm -hmm. you know? escape, um, a way to avoid, to 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 face your our own fears, our own. Um, uh, disappointments or own um, uh, problems that we have around being a human. Yeah. So that's why, and that's how interesting the yoga path uh, keeps teaching me more and more of this because uh, you mentioned Chogen Trungpa, no? and Chogen Trungpa was an embodied example of this. I, I remember Pema Chodron. Uh, commenting about Chogen Trungpa when she says that Chogen Trungpa was a, a fabulous, amazing, a fantastic teacher, but it's very difficult for us to understand him as a personality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
because he was famous no for all his parties and the whole his you know teaching those deep things in in, in Tibetan tradition you know, all those deep logics and and sharp sharp teachings of 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 mind and while drinking vodka and <laughs> and doing all these controversial things for 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 people who have a specific image of what is a spiritual path oh, and then yeah. I started, yeah you understand then i started to perceive also after i left burma that there was a lot of separation for me about what I thought it was a spiritual path and what I thought it wasn't a spiritual path. And that was a blessing for me to perceive that because exactly that was what allowed me to integrate parts within myself that I wasn't allowing myself to get in touch with. You know, parts of me that maybe I was ashamed of or parts of me that I was denying, that I didn't want to see or that I was trying to avoid. And uh, I see that the real real spiritual path is about becoming yourself it's about embracing and being able to listen consciously to all those fears all those denials all those dissatisfactions that i have about myself or about how i should be so that's why i always say that the path the yoga path or the meditation path is not a path of self-improvement but it's essentially a path of self-acceptance, of allowing myself to connect with these fears, with these thirsts, with this lack of, of love that we all have as human beings, and finding ways to nourish that in a, in a very clear way. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, ch uh, Choeng Trumpa with the, the drinking and the women and the smoking and on that stuff. And, <laughs> and, and I even think of like Alan Watts too, kind of a similar thing. And, and then I, I'm also thinking of a Ramdas talk I was listening to a, a while ago and I forget exactly what he said, but it's something like, you know, I'm, I'm Ramdas, I'm this spiritual teacher and I'm talking about spirituality and meditation and waking up and Buddhism and, you know, all this stuff and, and Dharma and karma. And, 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 and so he's, 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 he's fully Ramdas and, and people are like, Oh, you know, it's Ramdas, it's Ramdas. And he said, you know, after a lecture or a talk at a conference or something one day, he was sitting outside eating some pizza and drinking a Coke and someone walked by and said, Ramdas, like, what, what are you doing? This, you, is that really you? You're eating pizza and having a Coke. And, and so he's like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, like I forget what he said after that, but it was like, it was something of like, yeah, I'm, I am a human being, you know, and I, I, I'm also this other thing. I think that the, the tendency to put people on pedestals and, and be like, well, this is an enlightened being and, you know, this got to follow the way and this is what it looks like to be a spiritual person. And if this person is doing things that aren't in accordance to what the vision that we've been told of what a spiritual person is, then they're not. But what you're saying is, I agree with 100%. It's about being who you are, coming into the fullness of of your being and and walking walking with that energy and embracing it, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And uh, connecting it back to yoga, uh, Mike, uh, a very common word uh, between people who study yoga is is the word samadhi. Samadhi, yeah. Samadhi, and, and there are infinite translations and infinite uh, interpretations for this word. And most of the time, Samadhi is seen as something very mystical and distant and almost unreachable. 
something just for for uh, saints and high yogis and so forth and so on. Right. And I've seen uh, uh, studying recently, you know, deeper these things. I've seen uh, a Sanskrit professor saying that samadhi simply means to be fully who you are. Yeah. Samadhi. It means that the 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 t, no, the 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 the, the suffix of the word he means to put and and uh, to put yourself intensely uh, towards yourself. No samadhi to to be truly who you are and not to be afraid of it. Mm. Uh, to be present fully, being who you are. This is one of the possible translations of samadhi, yeah. and, and I love it. <laughs> and not be afraid of it. That's, I think that's the key right there. Because even if we think maybe, well, I don't have much fear. I think a, a lot of us do, and 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 maybe that's those are things that that kind of prevent us. Uh, people won't accept me if I'm not who you know. If if I just am who I am, and I'll just you know say what I want all the time and do what I. But that's not what that means. Um, but really, kind of, I guess really stepping into the truth of who you are and trying to commit to that truth and show up in every moment, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and that's why, you know, to connect with the truth of who we are. And that's not something that comes from the mind. Right. It doesn't come from the mind. It doesn't come from the head. You know, it, it, it's it's so abstract to, to talk about it. You no, know, but... It, it is something that comes from the from the heart. You know, it comes from from a different space. You know, this space of knowing the mind. The, the function of the mind is to doubt. You know, the function of the mind is is to is to create all these possibilities and to question. This is the function of the mind. You know, to create all these uh, possibilities of of judging, of criticizing. This is this is what mind does. Mm-hmm. But when I really learn how to connect with this space of heart, then there is a knowing. Then there is a something more integral that is more complete. Oh sorry, can you repeat that part? Then 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 there is something when I connect with my heart, when I connect, when I'm able to to do that journey, you know, from from the mind to the heart, then it's then it's integral. Then there is no doubt. Then there is a knowing. Right. Then there is a seeing. Yes. Not a questioning anymore. And I think that's what we're all looking for too. And in, you know, my ayahuasca experiences and like, I try and describe them to people who ask and, you know, I try and kind of, you know, they're so colorful and vivid and bright, but all aside from, aside from the visual or anything like that, the, the most, the biggest benefit that I feel is this deep sense of knowing unclouded, unclogged, connected felt presence of direct knowing and then that taking that into the world and integrating it that's that's the work that's that's beginning to walk that path you know um yeah yeah so and and get it being on this topic of kind of abstract and you know the deep sense of knowing it it's maybe hard to put into words but when you're in your space and you're connected, whether you're in uh, yoga or whether you're practicing meditation, what does that feel like for you? What does that look like for you? What's, what's happening when you're really 
when you're really in that groove? <laughs> <laughs> um, many times, Mike, um, uh, it's as if a big drama, a big drama just laughed, you know. It's, it's as if, uh, in a very practical way, it's so easy to love people around me. It's so easy to, to, to feel the joy of, of, of being alive as it is right now without anything to change around it. It's, it's just like this, this big, um, it's as if things were more alive inside, outside, and there's this sense of expansion. You know, it's, it's as if, I, I would ask myself, what was it that was worrying me a while ago? And you can even you can't even remember what it was. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Some 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 little drama that we got stuck in, and then yeah. Yeah. It's it's as if there is a professor from Princeton University. I forgot his name now, uh, but he says that uh, basically what what meditation does is challenging uh, the natural selection. It's challenging the evolution because um, there is some theories, some models, models that says that um, we, not in, in evolution, the individuals that were selected, they were those who were worrying the most. Uh, they were worrying about uh, the environment. They were worrying about the predators. They were worrying about sickness and and and, and all this worrying, worrying, worrying. And of course, they survived. Now, these were the individuals that were selected because those who are not learning about being worried about predators and diseases and so forth, they died, and they didn't pass on their genes. So somehow, our ancestors were those who were worrying the most. And uh, and somehow we got this expressed in ourselves right now. They call it uh, you know, the the worrying factor or, or something that is related also to to what they've been calling the the, the negative bias of the mind. You know, it's it's this insistent, persistent tendency of the mind to be constantly worrying or trying to find something to worry. It doesn't matter mm. how many good, beautiful things are happening in our lives that we perceive as good, that we perceive as positive. There's always this underlying rumination and mission to find what is wrong and what should I be worrying about. You know, this constant attempt to activate or fight and flight and freeze mode. So I would say that in these moments, when I really feel that presence of, of the meditative state in myself is when there is no big worries, you know, there is a clarity, there is a discernment about, of course, what I need to do to survive, what how how should i leave this day now what are the things that i i want to do and etc but there is not this huge immense pressure about how life should be and how things are not going the way that they should be going and blah 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 blah, blah, blah you know <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah definitely
And and how does ayahuasca play a part in in your practices and your offerings and your teachings? Wonderful. Um, so for me, uh, Mike, I I see that <clears throat> ayahuasca and meditation are virtually the same things for me. I, I don't I don't see them very very separate. When I go for a long um, meditation retreat, silence meditation retreat. I I end up in very similar spaces as I get into one night of, of ayahuasca ceremony. You know, and and essentially, there <clears throat> people say that um, we produce DMT naturally in three main situations in life. You know, DMT that is the main ingredient of ayahuasca. I'm sure you know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, when we are not during our birth, uh, during our death, and during meditation, during deep states of meditation. So I I see and I feel ayahuasca exactly as I see and perceive uh, deep states of meditation, you know, with with the difference that ayahuasca sometimes uh, helps me to. Um, maybe open some deeper blockages in a more <laughs> in a more efficient way. You know, ayahuasca has this interesting consciousness of itself, right? This this teacher, this this energy there that actively helps me to 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 open <laughs> these resistances in in a more direct way. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I can't help but think that such a benefit of it is also that we're like we're literally consuming the earth and like earth is going in into us and clearing us out and cleaning us out and and kind of like you know like leaving little like messages or like fixing little things to be like hey you're a part of nature too like you're you're nature and we're showing you and how how to be and uh, yeah, like I, just to reference like another Ram Dass quote, like with like with worrying and all this kind of stuff. Like I mean, he ta- he talks about like how you know look at nature, look at how they are. Yeah, it's creation and destruction. There's chaos and order, but it's all part of the the perfect harmony and balance. So you know when trees change in the fall and the leaves fall from the trees, other trees don't panic and say, oh, we gotta. Sp- pick them back up and glue them on the trees and spray paint them back to green, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just the, yeah. Yeah. It's embra- embracing what we are is, is, and we are nature and we're a part of it. So yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. I, I, I love ayahuasca. It's such a powerful teacher. Yeah. It is. It is indeed a lot of respect. Speaking of powerful teachers, you've been all over the world and your, your approach is like multidisciplinary. You've, you have so many different teachers that you, that you take from and that you, that you put into your own practice and being in your classes and hearing you talk about, you know, some of my favorite people like Joseph Campbell and, and others, like, I'm wondering, is there any kind of teaching along your journey that really just wowed you and, and, and opened you up and said, whoa, this is you know, this is something that I want to carry with me, uh, maybe a particular kind of, a particular teaching or a particular person or individual, um, that, that really, uh, that you really kind of really like and, and now, uh, incorporate into your methods and practices. It doesn't have to be just one, maybe a couple or something. Yeah. Well, um, it, 
there are so many so many dimensions to this question. You no, know? I I would say that I'm very grateful, you know, very grateful to the to the foundation, to the solid foundation around meditation and understanding what is this path that I received uh, living in a school, uh, working and living in a school in Bodh Gaya in, in India, you know, this, the city that is considered the city where the Buddha, the historical Buddha got enlightened. And this school called, called the Alice Project was teaching the basis of the Dharma, the basis of, of, of meditation, you know, the basic techniques for children. And it had as its, its patron the Dalai Lama, and it was following the lineage of, of Lama Zopa and, and Lama Yeshe. And uh, I learned a lot in this, in this environment, especially uh, from the direct teachings of, of the founder, Valentino Giacomi. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for the Tibetans in so many ways, you know, for what they carry, for what they share, and the clarity of their teachings. Um, who else? There are so many people. It's, it's, it's almost unfair to, to mention just a few. But uh, when I was in in in, in my post graduation, you know, in, in the university, Swami Vivekananda University, I got in touch with with his name is Mohanji, uh, who was one of the sweetest and kindest um, people that I've ever met. You know, so Mohanji, he used to be a professor there in university, but he wasn't teaching anymore. And he dedicated his life to service. So little by little, we became friends. And I remember going every every day in the end of the day to study the Bhagavad Gita with him. Mm. And he was this very intelligent man, very down to earth, very humble, always wearing simple clothes, walking barefoot throughout the campus. He was the, he's this tall man from Rajasthan. I was drinking some chai with him. So Mohanji helped me to 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 understand and and really to absorb the beauty of those teachings from India from a completely different level, from a much more uh, organic, direct, alive um, perspective. There with him, I would say there were so many others, but. Basically, what all these teachers um, represented to me, Mike, they saw something in me that wasn't in me, Publio, myself, but, but they saw something in me, human being. They reflected something. They, they brought something to the surface that was here just as a potential, mm. uh, you know, something that was here maybe with some doubts, with some fears, but they just helped me to, to give voice to this, to say, hey, yes, it's possible. Yes, it's possible to feel in peace. It's possible to feel better in this reality. It's possible to really feel contentment right here and right now. You know? So all these people along, along my path, you know, so many others, they helped me to, to, yeah, to remember who I am. <laughs> ah, yes, the, the great remembering. We all need 
that. And uh, yeah, I think I when we were talking, we were talking before our mutual friend uh, Claude, who was in part of a ceremony that I did with uh, Colombian shaman Amika, and and he just said something. Claude said something that I it just stuck with me, and it was that you know we're always forgetting. You know, we always forget. We we forget, but we can count on others to help remind us and and then we can remind others and it's this this cycle of forgetting and remembering but also being there for others to help them remember and in a lot of ways a lot of us that are doing what we're doing now is just trying to be reminders you know and so i bet in your teachings you're having that impact on on your students and i bet you're probably getting it back too and and the teachers that were the teaching you they probably learned something from being around you so it's a great great reciprocity (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly absolutely and this is beautiful know what claude uh highlighted in there what he brought all real sincere spiritual learning it's never about learning something new and that's that's the Uh, crazy thing it's it's, it always feels like remembering it always Wow, that was here all the time. How I didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. And there's that that great story too of the the creation of the universe. I wonder. Well, uh, we'll probably wrap up soon, but maybe you could tell that because it's so it's so nice. Yes, uh, I think I know which one you're. Or the creation to. of the, the the of man or on Earth. Or, yeah. yeah. Yes. Great. So. <laughs> Uh, this is a story that I always end up bringing about uh, now when there is this clear feeling that we are searching for something, right? And uh, we are all trying to find something in this reality. So I'm not sure if it's from the great, some people say it's from great tradition, some people say it's from Hinduism. I'm not sure from where it comes exactly. But the main message from the story is that so at the beginning, before they sent human beings uh, to planet Earth, there was this huge meeting of all gods and goddesses, and they were deciding where they would hide these that the human beings would be searching here without even knowing that they were searching for that. They would just have a feeling that there was something missing and they would be searching for it. So first, one of the gods came and he said, okay, Let's hide it deep down the oceans. No, that would be difficult for them. And then they discuss and say, oh, deep down the oceans, okay, it's difficult, but soon they will invent all these machines and they will learn how to dive and they will find it there. So again, then they discuss a little bit more and then another one said, okay, so let's hide it somewhere in the stars, in the space. No, that would be much more difficult. And they said, they discuss and say, okay, we agree it would be more difficult somewhere far in another planet, but soon they will also develop all the spaceships and, and they will find a way to, to, to go there. And then the most silent of all these gods and goddesses, she uh, was just there, quiet. And then he goes, you know, I have an idea. I think if we hide it, now, if we hide this contentment, this <laughs> the cause of this eternal itching <laughs> that the human beings have, 
if we if we hide it deep within or themselves deep within each one of them there they will not remember to search <laughs> all right yeah yeah oh man yeah yeah and if, and if it's not exactly these that we are doing it, that's exactly what we're doing you know collectively we are destroying the oceans we are digging the whole planet we are putting down all this forest in search of something it's so evident that we are with all this thirst, trying to, to satisfy something, but we don't know what we are trying to satisfy. So that's why meditation and yoga is really a very important answer to this, for us to understand how to satisfy all these needs in a much more intelligent and complete and efficient way. Hmm? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Publio, you are a beautiful, beautiful human being. I... I could talk to you forever, man. I, I thank you so much. This has been great. Um, yeah. And I guess maybe, uh, we'll, 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 we'll end with one more, uh, big, big idea that I, I love. Cause that's what I like. I like, I like introducing really complex, convoluted, tangential, big ideas. So to get into so one more, I'm going to throw one more fastball at you for you. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, no, um, I'm just, I was just thinking like, you know, and we're both fans of Joseph Campbell and, and he talks about how, you know, we currently don't have like a, a mythology right now, you know, that like in, in, in past they, there was mythologies for their times and for their places. And, you know, he, he says like, oh, you know, the world is, is in such disarray because we don't have this, this one unifying mythology. And I can't help but think, you know, well, we're, we're, we're disconnected. We're separated, right? We're, we're disconnected from ourselves, from nature, from the people around us. Maybe meditation, yoga, ayahuasca, and these kinds of practices can bring us more towards wholeness. I know they can. Is, is that part of maybe developing a new earth, a new story, a new world mythology? What do you think? What do you envision? What do you hope for to see this great game, kind of how it plays out? Do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, you, let's see if I understood this question. You see, you, yeah. you mean what would be this new new Earth coming? Is that just yeah. to be sure? I said, all right. I, interestingly enough, I have a very concrete answer to that. Yes. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen? There is a movie that is amazing. It's I, I'm so happy that someone manifested that movie. It's called. I think they translated to English as the Green Beauty. Uh, it's it's it, in French is La Belle Verte, mm. and uh, it, I think the director is is the main the main the main character in the movie Colline Serrault, and um, <laughs> it's exactly about this lady now this this lady that comes from a planet where people are living in a very simple way, but connected with earth and perceiving all the changes around them and they they can communicate between themselves in a very healthy way and uh, and they live for over 300 years and they're all humans it's not that they are like extraterrestrial ets or something aliens they're humans but they're just humans that are very aware of what makes them feel good and very aware of what doesn't make them feel good Mm. So I would say that and I don't know how will be the whole scenario, but I would say that for sure the, a healthy new earth would be an earth uh, where human beings 
are very aware and very sensitive to what makes us feel good and what doesn't make us feel good and where there's no doubts around it, where it's crystal clear what makes us feel good and what doesn't. Mm, yes, I love it. Yeah, getting rid of all the, the blockages and coming into clarity and deepening into wholeness so we can see each other, you know, because right now we see each other, we can connect with each other, we can go on social media, we can go on the internet, we could yell at people, you know, in, in Greenland or Iceland or whatever, you know, we can, we can, we can do all that stuff. And maybe that's part of the process of, of collectively emerging into something new, you know, almost like we're going through our teen years where everything's flashy, new and exciting. And we're at, we're socializing and partying, but, uh, after, you know, after this, <laughs> after after we've kind of gotten used to being able to see each other and hear each other that we can kind of maybe settle in a little bit to this the great beauty yeah that's uh it's the great beauty uh it's, it's an italian uh film directed by uh, the, the green green beauty green beauty oh the green beauty no it's not the great beauty it's the green beauty la belle verte it's a oh, french okay okay french 26 yeah. Oh, I see. I, see the I'm ta I'm giving the internet all this talk and it can't even provide me with the right thing here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I was I was trying to look it up online. Okay, so it's a French movie and we will find it. I will put it in the show notes as well as other things that you mentioned on this podcast. If you haven't seen this movie, please watch it. it for me it's one of the best movies ever. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I'm going to find it and watch it. Awesome, Publio. Well, let's uh, t yeah, tell the people where they can find you. I know you're so you 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 do sessions and you uh, you you work with people online as well and in person. Is that right? Yes, exactly. I offer sessions online, and uh, I, I also work at the temple in Peru, and I work here in Brazil, uh, in the countryside of São Paulo. So, if people want to to get in touch, my website is uh, www. Publio vale with double L dot com. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, from uh from a city boy to a country boy in Brazil. We'll be <laughs> exactly. we'll be signing off. Thank you so much again, Publio. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Guys, go check out Publio's website. Check out what he's offering. I'm telling you, his his teachings uh, are amazing. I, I mean you have to be there to to experience them and uh you know, it's what a what a wonderful experience, and this has been a wonderful experience. Just getting this this podcast going and chatting with you. So, thank you so much for being a, a great reminder to us all. And uh, thanks for listening, folks. Till next time. Thank you, you very much, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for your work. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you did, go and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a five-star rating and a review if you feel like writing something. Uh, that would be great. It helps the show a lot. helps us bump us up in the uh, Apple algorithm, get the podcast exposed to more people. So if you like the show, go ahead and do that. If you want to go a step further, go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank. You can donate, become a patron. Be a part of the Mikeadelic Inner Sanctum WhatsApp chat group of people chatting and connecting all around the world. We're finding the others, bringing them together, creating community. One of my favorite things to offer. I also release 
bonus episodes. Sometimes I do episodes that are kind of raw and kind of beta test them for the producers of the show, which are my patrons, the people who support the show. Big shout out to everybody that's a patron. Thank you for your love and support. If you want to do a one-time donation, go to my website, mikebrank.com. Go to PayPal and do a one-time donation if you feel that. And uh, I really like the method of donation. It's a, it's a gifting mentality. And reading Charles Eisenstein's books recently and his talks have really kind of made me embrace the spirit of the gift, of giving and gifting. And what better time than this holiday season to be generous and to give. And, you know, if you like the show, just tell, tell people about it, spread it, share it. Also, contact me. Go to my email uh, on my website, the contact page, mikebrank.com. Reach me on Instagram, mikeadelic underscore podcast. Hit me up on Facebook. Send me your messages. Send me your thoughts. Send me guest suggestions, ideas. Share your story with me. Reach out. Give me feedback. What do you like? What don't you like? And uh, I love to hear from people. I always respond. So uh, you can go ahead and do that. If you're interested in CBD, we have Hemp Bombs as a sponsor. You can go to hempbombs.com, get all kinds of CBD stuff. And um, I used to take their, their gummies. I think I'm going to start taking them again. I ran out, so I got to get some more. But uh, they're really good. And um, yeah, check it out. If you're interested in CBD, you want to give it a try, put in the code MIKE15 at checkout and get 15% off all of your CBD wants, desires, needs, and so forth. Big shout out to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. And uh, of course, thanks to Muse, who uh, I mash up their song and put the Terrence McKenna clips and everything in without their permission, but somehow I'm still able to do it. So thanks, because I love that. And uh, what else? I don't know. Thank you so much to everybody for your love and support, for listening. And yeah, I really, uh, really, 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 from the bottom of my heart, really can't express how grateful I am that out of all the podcasts out there that you choose this one to listen to. And uh, yeah, uh, like I said, let's really make this a collaborative effort. If there's something that you hear, that you notice, you know, something going on with the show that you're like, hey, you used to do this or you do that, or I'd like to see this, or hey, did you ever think about that? Shoot me a message. I'm open. I communicate. I message back. I like this to be a collaborative effort. I want more community involved in this. So anyway, thanks. And uh, till next time, peace.